Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Probably six, seven years ago, I bought a phone from a guy on Craigslist and used it for a good solid month or two. I rooted it, modded it, got bored with it, and decided to sell it. One of the very first people to respond to the ad I had up was the cousin of the guy I bought it from. I found this out after the fact. Anyways, the guy offered me the asking price, and then he started offering me more money, ensuring he would secure the phone. It was a little weird, but I wasn't going to turn down money if he was going to give it to me. So we met up to complete this sale, and he started checking over the phone. I could tell something wasn't right, so I asked for my phone back and tried to take it out of his hand. He resisted, punched me in the face, and took off running. I never got my phone back because I can't run for shit. Turns out, the guy I met up with was going around meeting people to buy their phones and then robbing them. It all finally ended when he held up a couple with a young kid in the back seat at gunpoint for all of their belongings. They drove up to a store a block or so away from where it all happened and called the cops. 
The main guy and an accomplice were picked up a little later and admitted to the whole thing, plus other robberies. He ended up doing three five years or some shit like that, and I got some money back for the lost property. I am a 20-year-old woman and my husband and I live in Richmond, Virginia, which is where this story takes place. I don't mind revealing where we live as it is important to my story's moral. About two weeks ago, we decided that we wanted to get season passes to King's Dominion, which is the biggest amusement park in our state. We were a little short on cash to get the passes and were in between paychecks, so we decided to sell some of our old things on an app called Let Go which is basically like Craigslist where you can post items you have for sale and it shows it to everyone within a 50 mile radius of your location. The only way let go it is different from Craigslist is that you have to make an account on let go, which can be made with your email account or by syncing it to your Facebook. No personal information is given out besides your name, your general area, and a tiny thumbnail or whatever your profile picture is on Facebook. You are also able to chat with other buyers and sellers through a messaging system on the app to keep your phone numbers anonymous. Anyways, I had posted my old tablet on let go to make up for the money we still needed to get the passes, and within a few minutes I got a message from a woman named Keisha who was interested in buying my tablet. One thing I noticed about Keisha's account is that it didn't have a thumbnail picture. I brushed it off thinking that she just didn't sync it with her Facebook. This was red flag number one. The conversation with Keisha went as follows. Keisha, hi, is the tablet still available? Me, yes, it is. Keisha, great, can I pick it up in two hours when I get off? Me, actually my husband and I are trying to get KD passes today so we can go this evening. I could drop it off to you now if that's okay. Keisha, yeah, that works. I work at the McDonald's off Nine Mile Road. Me, okay, great. Can you send me the address so I can head over? Keisha, sure. Now the conversation stopped there for a bit after I had asked Keisha for the address to her McDonald's, since that area has quite a few of them. She didn't respond for a while, which now looking back after everything that happened, should have been a red flag number two. But at the time, I figured she was slow to reply because she told me that she was at work. My husband was with me, so I asked him if he knew which one it was, and he looked up on Google where McDonald's were on Nine Mile Road, and there actually was only one store on that road. I copied the address from Google and messaged her back ten minutes after hearing nothing new from her asking if this was the right address. Me, hey is it the one at blah 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 Nine Mile Road? Keisha, yeah that's it me. Okay I will be there in about twenty minutes Keisha. Okay, message me when you are here so I can tell my manager I need to run out to my car so I can meet you. Me, alright, see you soon. After that, my husband and I jumped in his truck and drove to the McDonald's that she worked at. We had to take the highway and it was rush hour by the time we got on the highway. So what was supposed to be a 20 minute drive turned out to be a 40 minute drive. The whole time we were driving there, Keisha would send me messages saying, Where are you? She did this about four or five times, and each time I would tell her something along the lines of, sorry, traffic is brutal only a few minutes away. We finally got to the McDonald's and parked in the parking lot right in front of the main entrance. My husband suggested that we sit on the bed of his truck, because he didn't want to sketch Keisha out by making her walk up to the window of a stranger's car. 
I agreed, and we hopped out of his truck, and he pulled down the little hitch door to his bed, and we sat on it. I then pulled out my phone and messaged Keisha, saying, Hey, I'm here. She replied very quickly with, Okay, what car are you? I told her I was in the big orange truck. We waited for about five minutes staring at the door waiting for her to come out, and no females walked out of the restaurant. The only person who did walk out was a tall, skinny man on a cell phone who got picked up in a black car that had pulled up next to ours. At this point, my husband and I were tired of waiting, so I went back on let go to see if she had messaged me something new. I looked up our conversation, and at the top of our messages was a banner that read, This user has blocked you. I showed my husband this, and because we listened to so many horror stories on YouTube, we both got creeped out, and my husband got very angry. He told me to wait in the truck with the doors locked while he went inside the McDonald's and asked the manager if anybody named Keisha worked there, taking my phone with him to show evidence of our conversation. So I did just that, and waited in the truck with my finger glued to the lock button. A few minutes later, he comes back to the truck with a concerned look on his face. He told me that the manager said that there was a girl named Keisha that worked there, but she spelled her name Keisha instead of Keisha, and she had been sent home at 11 this morning because of business decline. It was in that moment that I put two and two together. The only person we saw come out of the restaurant was a man on a phone, who quickly got into a car parked next to ours. I never told Keisha that I was coming with my husband. For all that they knew, I was just coming by myself a good 15 miles away from where I lived in the bad part of town. I was terrified. We peeled it out of the parking lot and raced back home. On the way back, I deleted my let go app. Now I know this sounds like a lot of speculation, but I am almost certain that this I was almost the victim of abduction because there have been several cases of women in Richmond, other areas of Virginia, who have used let go and other resell apps like it and have gone missing, been robbed at gunpoint, or been taken in by human traffickers. This story isn't really as scary as it could have been, and I am very grateful for how lucky I was. I'm forever thankful that my husband came along with me, because if he didn't, there's a good chance I wouldn't be typing this story tonight. But I really wanted to tell my story as a way to spread awareness that there are some very evil people out there, in everyone's cities, and even in your neighborhoods. They will use every method of communication to find their next victims, even resell websites and apps to lure someone in and do unspeakable things to them. Abductions resulting in human trafficking cases are at a national all-time high and are only getting worse. Please be careful of who you talk to online. If you do sell something on one of these apps, on Craigslist, or any other resell site where you have to meet the other person in person, always meet in a public place at a popular time of day. Bring somebody with you. Never let them come to your house or you theirs. It's crazy to think about how cautious we have to be nowadays, and I hope all these evils and crimes go away soon. But until then, please be safe and be smart. I've been looking to sell my car before the summer is over. So I took to Facebook and Craigslist to find potential buyers in the area who were willing to take it off my hands. I posted my ad on Facebook Marketplace, which is essentially Craigslist for Facebook where you can buy and sell products around your approximate location. I figured it would be the perfect place to find someone near me who was in the market for an old fixer-upper my piece of junk, that is. 
I should add at this point that I'm a 22-year-old woman, and on Marketplace, obviously you post from your Facebook account, so whoever sees my posts can go to my profile to message me. Unfortunately, unlike Craigslist, people knew exactly who I was before they were buying. I had several people interested, so I answered them in order, and the first person just so happened to be an older woman. From her page, she looked harmless, so I thought it would be no problem. I was busy for a few days, so I told her I'd get back to her soon, and she said okay. Her last message to me said, that's fine, let me know Thursday, Bill. A little weird, but I thought maybe her husband was messaging me for her from her account, or maybe it was even a typo. Who knows, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. On Thursday, I got a random message from another account, a man who will call Bill. He messaged me the exact same message as she did the day before, which was something along the lines of interested, when can I come see it? I put two and two together and realized that the woman signed Bill on her last message the day before, and I figured it was her husband now contacting me from his own account. I asked if he was the one who messaged me from her account the day before, and he confirmed, saying that she was his wife who had passed away back in March. Strange. But everyone has their own way of coping. At this point, I felt bad for the guy, and there weren't really any alarm bells going off, other than that it was slightly weird he was contacting me from his dead wife's Facebook. It was also weird that his Facebook didn't have any photos of himself, just his backyard as his profile picture and cover photo. I chalked it up to him being older and not caring about social media. He ended up saying he'd like to see the car, and we scheduled a day for him to come look at it. Unfortunately, I had to give him my house address because the car's brakes are not in working order and the car isn't insured, so I couldn't take it on the road to somewhere nearby to meet up. Regardless, I was still not too worried because my boyfriend and his mother were at the house I lived with them in the summertime, so I thought if push came to shove, there would be someone there to mediate. He was supposed to come at 3.30, but 3.30 came and went without him showing up. He said he lived in a town about a half hour away, so we waited a little while after to see if maybe he would come late. I was pissed for a while, because he'd just wasted my time confirming he wanted to see my car and possibly buy it, and he stood me up without any explanation. Around 4, I gave up and started playing some games on my laptop. My boyfriend, bless his soul, still kept watch over the driveway to see if Bill would come out after all. Suddenly, he had urgency in his voice. Alyssa, I think that's him. I got up and ran to the window just in time to see a small car with an unknown driver and a young man in the front seat pull away from the front of our driveway. Apparently, the car pulled in front of the house and sat there for several seconds before driving away, and I just caught the tail end of it. I live on a quiet side street of a pretty safe suburban neighborhood, so it most likely wasn't some random stranger who just so happened to be passing by. They were definitely in front of the house, waiting for a minute. My boyfriend looked disturbed and kept repeating that he was sure it was them, and that they got cold feet. We all thought it was weird that they would drive a half hour only to leave. My boyfriend's mother said she thought it was because they thought they could get me, a vulnerable young woman, alone, and that they'd sped away once they saw that there were several cars in the driveway. One of the cars was the one I was selling, too, and it looked exactly like in the photos I posted on Marketplace, so I was sure the car wasn't the issue. The most disturbing thing to me was the fact that there were two people in the car, 
and at least one of them looked like he was capable of doing something, should I have been alone. Thank God in hindsight that there were several people home, or the situation definitely could have escalated. I really, really wish I hadn't given them my address, and I can only hope that those people don't ever come back. This was back in 2012, but it still gives me the heebie-jeebies when I think about it. I had just gotten out of a bad relationship and was living with my grandparents, hunting for apartments and I found a house that was only a few blocks from the group home I work at. I thought, great, even in the snowy weather I'd be able to walk to work. I called the number on the Craigslist ad and set a time to check it out. I boogie on over and am greeted by a man in his mid-thirties. He seemed very awkward at first, but showed me around and said if things worked out I could take my pick of either of the available bedrooms. He started making small talk and was becoming increasingly weird. He was asking me questions about how old I was, if I smoked pot, if I was single. Not totally red flags, but the way he came off was weird nonetheless. I say I have to go and he gives me the email of the homeowners, turns out it was his girlfriend's parents' place. So I dawdle on home and emailed a couple giving my references and income info, as one does. A couple days later the husband calls me and says hastily that the rooms are no longer available. I'm a little miffed, but what can I do about it, right? Cut to a week later my friend and I are hanging out, smoking pot and just shooting the shit. I can't remember how it came up, but she mentioned that there's a website where you can see all the registered sex offenders. Of course our curiosity takes over and we look it up. I think you know where this is going. We scroll and scroll and eventually apartment man. My jaw drops and I can't believe what I'm seeing. His charge? Incest with a minor. I don't know if anything would have happened, but I'm glad the homeowners turned me down. And what dumb luck that I stumbled across the website a week after. not really a horror story, but just so unusual and weird. I was selling a car on Craigslist and finally got a solid nibble. A woman wanted to buy it for her teenage daughter, so I offered to drive it over so she could look at it and take it out for a test drive. I show up and knock on the door. The mother is happy I'm there and she invites me in, asks if she can take it out for a test drive, drops about 4k in my hand and takes off with her daughter leaving me standing in the living room with the cash and a friendly white dog. I awkwardly sit down and about ten minutes later the husband comes up and he acts like it's perfectly normal for me to be there and we chat a bit. The mother and daughter come home, agree to buy the car, I sign the title over, make arrangements for a friend to come and get me. I didn't think they would buy it and chit-chatted with this couple for about twenty minutes until my friend came and rescued me. This happened just over a week ago. Ordered a liquid lipstick and didn't like the color, so resold it at below market price. Guy comes to pick it up, it's some high school aged kid from the hood. Assumed he was getting it for his girlfriend and figured he could save himself five dollar and shipping getting a slightly used one and she wouldn't know the difference. Met him in ratty sweats with no makeup and wet hair. Thought nothing of it. That night at 3am, I got a text from him saying, Baby, you looked so beautiful today, and asking how I'd like to make some quick money. I didn't answer, thought maybe he was drunk and texted the wrong number, went back to sleep. 
The next day he called, I didn't answer and blocked the number. He texted me from another number, I responded, no thanks and blocked the number. Five minutes later, he called again from yet another number. Didn't answer, he left a voicemail asking once again if I wanted to make quick money and informing me that if so, all I had to do was Venmo him $200 right away. I blocked the number. Five minutes later, I got six texts from yet another number. Blocked it. Quiet for a few hours, then came back at me on another number. This went on for about four days. Back in the early 2000s, when I was fresh out of college, I landed a job at a nondescript office building with a handful of cubicles and a water cooler that never seemed to run out of gossip. I drove a big, old 80s car with an enormous trunk, the kind of vehicle that had seen better days, but still had a certain vintage charm. Little did I know that car would become a bizarre chapter in my life. One day, my supervisor approached me with an unusual request. It wasn't Craigslist, but he asked to test drive my car. Now, this wasn't a common occurrence, and I hesitated for a moment. But hey, he was a supervisor, and there wasn't any obvious reason to say no. So, I handed him the keys, and off he went, cruising around the block in my clunky, nostalgia-inducing ride. After the test drive, he returned without much fanfare. He didn't end up buying the car, and to be honest, I wasn't surprised. My vintage vehicle had seen its fair share of miles, and it was probably due for the scrapyard. Fast forward almost a decade later, and my old supervisor made headlines. It turns out he was being extradited to the S because he had been found guilty of several murders. The news sent shockwaves through the office grapevine, and I found myself caught in a whirlwind of disbelief. As the details of his crimes emerged, I couldn't help but wonder about that peculiar test drive. Why was he specifically looking for cars with lots of trunk space? Had my old 80s relic somehow been connected to his sinister deeds? The realization sent shivers down my spine, and I began to question the oddities of that seemingly innocuous request. The mind has a curious way of reevaluating past events in light of newfound knowledge. What seemed like a simple test drive at the time now took on a sinister undertone. I couldn't help but play out various scenarios in my head, each one more chilling than the last. Did he have something hidden in the trunk? Or was it just a macabre coincidence that he happened to choose a car with ample storage space for his twisted endeavors? To this day, the mystery lingers in the back of my mind, a bizarre footnote in my life's narrative. It serves as a stark reminder that sometimes the most ordinary moments can hide the darkest secrets, and the past has a way of revealing its true colors in the most unexpected and unsettling ways. Alright, so times are tough in Brooklyn, and I recently found myself in need of a quick place to stay. Moved onto a houseboat in December, dealt with enough batch at craziness to last me a lifetime, moved out in February to stay with my girlfriend for a week or two and hunt in the miracle section of Craigslist Price X. Cheap rooms shared hastily, bullshit ranges from 611, but you're in a hurry, don't complain. I find a pretty solid spot a few blocks away. Price is right for a basement in this part of town, so I go to check it out. It's a total farm. You see them occasionally in New York City. Walls knocked out and replaced with little cordoned off dorms. One window outside, one plexiglass window and actually NGL. Never seen that one. 
first suspicion four to six rooms to a floor communal bathroom. At least the $13 sandwiches down the street are great. But I digress, what struck me was how many laptops my super had. We're in the office, figuring out the rental agreement, and they're everywhere. Stacks, some old, some pretty new. He says the one room just went, but I could have the other new one. I wonder who's leaving cheap housing in the city. Big stacks of laptops, cables for laptops. I go to shower downstairs and remember I left my towel at girlfriend's place. Got the hunch to check the other semi-anomaly and quickly found a towel. But man, the anomaly. An enormous pile of stuff from previous tenants at the other end of the basement. Some new. Some not so new. At this point I'm giving it all a bit of pause, but I go take my shower and change. Farms have turnover, but that's a lot of stuff, and who leaves clean towels? One of the other housemates comes out of his dorm as I'm leaving mine having showered and changed. Hey man, I just moved in here. Me too. Room was really cheap. I don't even have a laptop. Am I gonna get zip-tied and fed to billionaires? Why are there other people just moving in here on the same day? Why is everyone who's left leaving behind useful shit? Why the hell does my room have a tiny plexiglass window? Why didn't I care three days ago when I needed a place bad? I could charitably be described as a total idiot, but I know my horror movies and I don't know what to do with this many horror movie warnings. In 2011, it was around August, and I had been searching for a dress for my sister's wedding for weeks. Since I didn't have much money and would wear the dress only once, I decided to check Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Luckily, I found a dress that looked great on me, and I loved its style and colors. Excitedly, I contacted the seller on Craigslist and planned to meet her at her house the next day to buy the dress. However, I started to feel unsure about going alone when she gave me her address. The area was not safe, and many bad incidents happened to women there. The neighborhood was in a rundown rural town, and many houses looked empty. As I drove by them, I checked the address again to be sure before driving up to her house, as I didn't want any trouble in this area. The place felt like where you might find those eccentric, intense people. I knocked on the door, and a woman answered. She looked older than I expected and seemed very tired, with big black bags under her eyes. It was a bit unsettling, to say the least. She invited me inside, and I saw the dress hanging on a door handle in the living room. It looked just like the pictures, and I was really happy with how it looked. I felt too nervous to try it on there so I awkwardly held it up against my body to check the size. While I was paying for the dress, something strange happened. The woman's eyes kept moving around the room, and she seemed anxious, like something bad was going to happen. I wasn't sure if she was on drugs or had a mental disability. Out of nowhere, as I was giving her the money, she suddenly lunged at me with her head, but I somehow managed to dodge it. Then I ran out of the house as fast as I could, and I could hear her chasing after me. I got into my car and quickly locked the doors. She started hitting my windows, trying to get inside. I started the car, hit the gas, and drove away as fast as I could, leaving her behind. She was screaming loudly, like someone who wasn't well in their mind. I didn't look back until I reached home, and I probably drove faster than I should have. My mind couldn't understand what had just happened, and I started crying while driving. My heart was pounding as I left that place behind, 
and my hands were shaking a lot on the steering wheel. I couldn't believe what had just happened. I kept thinking about it over and over, trying to understand why that woman had tried to hurt me. When I got home, I decided to call the police and tell them everything. The police listened to my story and said they would investigate the area where it happened, but even after two weeks, they didn't give me any updates, and I never found out what happened to the woman or why she did that. I tried to forget about it, but I still felt uneasy and worried. I couldn't stop thinking about the woman's scary eyes and how she had jumped at me. I wondered why she acted that way and what she was hiding. I started having bad dreams about her and that house. In my dreams, she was always chasing me and I couldn't get away. I would wake up feeling sweaty and tired. I knew I had to do something about it. I decided to go back to the house and find out what had happened. I was scared, but I wanted to face my fears. This time I brought my dad and brothers with me. We also took some safety items like mace and a taser in case she tried to attack me again. As we returned to the neighborhood, I realized that the house was gone. All that was left was an empty lot with a few bits of trash still blowing around in the midday breeze. I decided to go next door and ask some of the neighbors if they knew what had happened. It turned out the lady had been sectioned into a mental hospital for biting one of her neighbors who lived further up the lane. He ended up getting infected with a type of mycelium or fungus that apparently this woman had infested in her bloodstream and brain. I guess this all explained her lunges at me, and now I could finally sleep slightly better, knowing that she was locked away getting the help that she needed. Not a horror story as such, but just a really weird situation. I'm in Australia, so this is a Gumtree Ake, our version of Craig's List story. A few months back, I get a phone call from a random older man, who is clearly very, very, very drunk, and he's asking for me by name, full name, and talking about how his mum had bought something off me probably ten years ago. It was creepy because he's telling me about where I live and telling me how I looked then, that he had driven his mum to my place to pick up whatever the heck it was that I had sold. I have absolutely no recollection of it. I didn't hang up because I was so off-put by this random person saying this stuff, and it was just so weird. He must have realized that he was creeping me out a bit, and he apologized, and that's when he's explained that his mum had passed away, and he's going through her address book and came across my name and number, and it reminded him of the times he used to take her places. I have bought a lot, sold some, on Gumtree over the years, and have never felt worried about going to someone's home or having someone come here, until this phone call. But when he finally put some context into the call, it eased my mind. It was just an older bloke grieving for his mum.